There isn't a one-size-fits-all marketing approach to selling real estate. And sure, there's best practices, but I think that you need to develop a strategy that's unique to your brand or your business and that highlights your superpower. So welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you find your superpower and exploring creative solutions to build a more visible brand that consistently delivers an exceptional customer experience. Whether you're selling real estate, loans, title, or escrow, doesn't matter. We've got you covered. Let's go. Welcome to the Marketing Trench Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to discuss how to become a problem solver to build your business or how becoming a problem solver can build your business or something along those lines that I don't fully understand. <laughs> because what happened was Ricardo brought this really interesting book and quote. Oh I couldn't grasp it. With, with that little peanut brain of mine, <laughs> I attempted to reach out and understand and it wasn't happening. But of course, Scott intuitively understood everything Ricardo was saying in their mind-meld fashion. (laughs) We're going to have a discussion about problem solving and how that can grow your business. Or we might not. We'll find out. (laughs) Good seeing you again. So (laughs) before we launch into this, congratulations, Ricardo. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, we don't have a celebration track. You don't have any applause going on there. We should have. We should have applause or something uh, going on. Uh, crying baby. <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, oh, it might be this at three in the morning. I think. I think she got. This one's going to make Dustin jealous. I think she got a solid four or five hours of sleep last night. All right. Hey, with that, I'm going to take off. <laughs> there, you got like the celebration, Papa, Papa Bueno. It's still pretty wild that the hospital hands you this living, breathing thing and says, good luck. Yeah. And you don't even know whose it is. <laughs> awesome. That's so great. So a realtor friend, I, I don't even remember who, but his newsletter is, he sends out like what I'm reading, what I'm working on. Here's something cool and interesting. And one of the books that he sent out was this book called Upstream, The Quest to Solve Problems Before They Happen. So I tend to you know, download samples of books, read them. I thought it was interesting. It, it looks at a couple of different industries and, and how, how you should think of or approach your business from a problem-solving perspective because it's better to be a problem-solver than to always work from a place of where you're always reactive. Mm-hmm. And so it just reminded me of one of the conversations that I had with one of our agents this agent's been in the business for, gosh, I don't know, 30 plus years. And, you know, she said, we're just talking one day and she said, you know, Ricardo, this business really isn't difficult. It really is the same thing over and over and over and over. It's just that most people don't want to problem solve. They want to do the transaction. They want to get paid a commission check. And, you know, they don't look for ways to put out fires before they become fires. They just go through the motions and they, you know, they try to, I don't know, they just go through the motions. And I think that's true. Not just for real estate, I think that's true for our industry in general and salespeople in general. I think we all operate from a we wait until things get really bad before we try to figure out the problem and and if we worked on it the other way around, like thought of it as you know how can I be a problem solver in my day to day, I just think that that's a better place to function from or that's a better place to work from. I think I also feel that I don't know a lot of people. I know I'm guilty of it, and, and and almost everybody I know is guilty of it. There's a certain inherent thing just in human behavior that sometimes when there's challenges or unknown, you just kind of hope it works itself out. 
Yeah. You, know, you kind of you just kind of hope for the best, and yeah, well, it, it'll all work out. It'll it'll all be okay. See, uh, that's most people. That's most that, salespeople that, too. That, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I think. That's the natural state of how we process challenges. Human beings process challenges. So it actually does take a concerted effort to get in front of that. Like on my website, on Find My Way Home, we get thousands of people a month that come to our website because. The person that they were working with couldn't see around corners. They couldn't see the things that if I were to look at it, I would look at all those things and I would I, I could see around all of the corners and identify by looking at it if there's any chance if there are any challenges that are going to pop up. Because I always because I know that 90% of the process, 90% of the things that we do are always going to be the same. Right? The process is still the same. And what's interesting with that is, is if you have challenges, like if you say, well, my customers aren't loyal or they shop me or they don't communicate well, you can't give them a reason to want to do those things. If, if your client's not communicating with you, it's because you're not communicating with them. If they're shopping you, it's because you haven't made them comfortable with the fact that you've got this, right? So the very, the second you encounter a, surprise in the transaction, you instantly put your customer into the mode of what else is going to be a surprise. Now we're on edge that it could happen again, right? Right. And that's why it's so important that not only do you see around corners and anticipate it, but you're pre-framing the entire process with the consumer so that where you can't see around corners and problems can come up, you're telling the your customer ahead of time, hey, listen, that appraisal might not come in for what we offered on this house. So when that happens, this is what we do. As opposed to, oh shit, the appraisal didn't come in. What what, what do we do now? You know, and you're like, I I don't know. The entire dynamic of the trust that you built completely changes at that point. I hear what you guys are saying, but the initial sort of pushback I had to Ricardo's email this is this is a podcast about marketing. The idea is that you're communicating value to clients and it's earning you business. Okay. Otherwise, you're just talking. <laughs> so, how do you market the fact that you are a problem That yeah. you're a problem solver. Yeah. What it, What does that look like? What it looks like is actions speak louder than words, and potentially what you're marketing for and what you're building in that situation is a raving fan and, a, and, 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 and referrals from here on out. Because you're right, everything is words until the actions have to back it up. And if your actions can't back up your words, then you lose the relationship. I think a lot of people think that they need to talk more to get attention. And I think where we're going with this is you need to pay closer attention to your actions throughout the entire transaction because you're going to get a higher ROI on that than you're ever going to get by playing triage with every single transaction comes across your desk. Okay, so let me let me try and maybe push something out into the open that I think is hiding in the background. I have done this and I'm sure other people have done this as well. Conceive of marketing as something that happens first in like a multi-step process. So you market and then you get a sales opportunity, convert the sale, and then you deliver the service. Marketing sales service, right? And then you start the you start the cycle over again. 
And what I hear, Scott, what, I, what I'm hearing from you and from Ricardo in this conversation is, yeah, Dustin, actually marketing is something that sort of arcs over the whole process. So yeah, you're going to do marketing up front and it's going to give you a sales opportunity. But also, you shouldn't think your marketing work is done once you have the person and you're delivering the service. Because by, for example, being a problem solver, you are turning this person into a raving fan, which is a kind of marketing effort in itself. Is that fair? Yeah, I don't think the marketing stops once you have the transaction. I I have a different perspective on this. I, I think you're confusing marketing and advertising. I think marketing is you making and maintaining a brand promise. So my value proposition to the consumer, that's your brand, that's your marketing, that's what you're constantly propping up. Advertising is getting people to look at your brand and then what happens once they engage with your brand, that's your marketing. Your marketing is marketing is what do they see when they when they engage with you? What's their experience when they deal with you? And then what do they walk away with? And if they walk away with saying Lighthouse Escrow was the best experience that I've ever had, that's marketing, right? That's not advertising. Advertising is when you run Facebook ads and you get eyeballs. Well, why is that not advertising? So if if a client goes out, and I think this I think this distinction matters. It, so I'm pushing on it. I don't want to. You know, this isn't just. I think it's blurry. I don't think it's a hard distinction. I, I, I mean, I get there probably is for somebody smarter than me, but, <laughs> I, I, but I'm kind of thinking in my mind, advertising is getting their attention. Marketing is earning their trust. Well, see, something I'm keying in on here is the brand promise. So you are wrapping marketing into brand promise, which does make sense. But I've always thought of brand promise as sort of like, the source of the stream, as it were. It's the originator of content and ideas and advertising and, you know, look and feel, all of that. And you're putting that into marketing, which then helps to explain for me at least why you're viewing being a problem solver in the context of a deal as marketing. So for a good example is is uh, Coca-Cola. How many uh, Coca-Cola commercials they before they did all the bears and stuff. Now it's kind of like they pop you pop an old Coke and you sit down with your friends, right? It's like you drink a Coke when you're sitting around with your family or with your friends. And it's like these brands that make these connections. It's how you marketing is how you feel about engaging in that brand. I mean that seems kind of ethereal but but that's, I mean, that's what's coming into my head. I mean, I feel like marketing is an experience. I, th- I feel like marketing is, I, I guess that's what, like I said, I think it's, the, I think it's that brand promise. I, I don't think it is a thing that you do. When we talk about doing online marketing, I, you know, in some sense, if it's, if it's content marketing, then your value proposition is that if you engage with this brand, you're going to have this experience. Content being, that's my experience that I'm putting out there into the world. If you're doing pay-per-click on Google and it says Lighthouse Escrow, lighting your way to home ownership, that's just an advertisement. That's not necessarily a brand promise or anything like that. That's just something to catch people's eyes so that they look at you. But your marketing is your uniform, your lighthouse you know, whatever the, the you know, the, what your office looks like, all of that is part of your brand promise and your experience. And I think that's what marketing is. I think it's, I think it's more powerful and I think it's more, it's more meaningful and more lasting than advertising. 
you're collapsing a lot of things into the term marketing. And I don't know that marketing is the right... I don't know that marketing is the right vehicle for it. I'm also not sure that it's necessarily something we need to flesh out. Going back to our original conversation, the reason that I was pushing back was because I viewed being a problem solver as something that we were discussing in the context of like a sales pitch, right? So, because I could see a lot of people doing this. Well, so the example I brought up in our email thread is I said, everyone in, in the escrow industry says, we deliver great service. Well, not everyone. <laughs> and what I, what I told you guys is, I don't let my sales reps say that. And the reason I don't let them say that is because it's meaningless. Everyone says it. that doesn't mean anything. And I'm not even convinced most people know what that means when they say it, other than this sort of feeling of like positivity. So what I have my sales reps say is stuff like, we answer our phones. We respond to emails quickly. We'll meet one-on-one with your clients, or at least we said that before COVID. But still, we make ourselves available for your clients. We'll, we'll do, we can do after-hours work if there's an emergency, right? That kind of stuff. When we say service, we have specific deliverables in mind, in other words. But that's all front-end stuff, right? That's like, you and I meet. We've never met before. I tell you I'm with Lighthouse. I'm trying to convince you, hey, you should send us your next escrow. Like, why should I care about you versus every other escrow company? There are hundreds of you. And then I say something like this about service. And so that's, I I understood this whole problem solver thing. Like, oh, I'm a problem solver. Well, what does that mean? Like, what is that? What deliverables come to me when I pay you 3% commission? What deliverables come to me as a result of you being a problem solver? But but Scott, what I what I hear you saying is it's not a t- sales talking point. What it is is it's sort of like a way of being, like it's a way of conducting yourself in it the should be. business. It should be, yeah. And it, and it, well, and again, this kind of what I started and I titled this. I don't know if we'll keep the title, but you know, and this has to do with a lot of things that are in the world today. Is is you know, there's a Gandhi quote that says, "Be the change you want to see in the world." So you have to be the change. So if, you're, if your business is chaos and if fires keep popping up and if you're always having to put out fires and solve problems that you didn't anticipate, you have to change the way that you're doing your business. And, and I want to circle back to what you just said. We answer the phones. We meet one-on-one with our clients. You didn't pull those out of the air. That's an experience that other companies may not offer. The problem with saying, we provide great service. Well, great service is a trailing indicator. You can't say I had great service until after you've received the service. At that point, you can judge it, right? So it, it's really deceiving to say that. And it's really kind of, in, it, it's, it's not, you're not doing yourself any justice by putting out these vague platitudes of this kind of thing. You actually, you nailed it. You're, you're saying, communication is a problem. We always pick up our phones. What's the number one problem? If I work with Lighthouse, I know that if I have a problem, if there is a problem, they're going to pick up their phone. I'm not going to get an answering machine. It's not going to take 12 hours for somebody to get back to me or whatever the, whatever it is, you know, whatever that promise is, you are getting in front of things because you already know what can go wrong in the process. So you're proactively addressing it. And actually, when we were kind of discussing this and kind of picking this apart, 
I, I actually think uh, Groundhog Day with Bill Murray <laughs> is, the per- is the perfect example because think about what that movie is. All of us wake up every day and we just deal with whatever happens in life. When he figured out it was the same day every time, he crafted every single day he learned how to move the dialogue forward to his end goal. But every single day he had to try something. It didn't work. And so he's like, okay, the next day I need to do this. So he was able to anticipate after a period of time every single thing that could go wrong with his wanting to hook up with his chick or whatever he was trying to do, right? (laughs) So at the end of the day, after all those days having repeating that over and over again, he stopped doing the things that prevented him from building that relationship till at the very last, at the end of the day. And so then when it wasn't Groundhog Day anymore, he knew the path and he knew the path and he could engage with that person. He knew everything that, that would give her an incredible experience and want to be with him. So, I mean, I think that's an, an, an incredible metaphor for what we're talking about because we literally are in Groundhog Day every single day. That transaction is the exact same transaction. 90% of that transaction is exactly the same as the one before. And it's 9% of the same as the one after it. Same with me in the loan business, right? We know what, we know what's going to pop up. We know what's not, we know what might pop up. So we can put that out there. Same for title, same for escrow. Same for, same for almost everything. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, we're we're not you know we're not punching out widgets on an assembly line, but a huge portion of what our of the customer experience that we deliver is repeatable. All right, well let's let's talk for a minute about strategy then. Okay, so ideally you want to be this problem solver who anticipates, but you've got other things crunching in on your time. So, for example, if you're an agent, you got to show up to home inspections, or you got your photos being taken or you've, whatever, right? And you got to do sales. All of us have to do sales. Hmm. We have the tasks we have to do every day. And while it's nice to think, I'm going to be this proactive problem solver, you're going to have to move something around. You're going to have to sacrifice something to deliver that premium experience. And it may not be the highest and best use of your time. Like Scott, I mean, how much of your day do you actually spend solving problems for anybody, would you say? Because you don't process loans. I don't process loans, I get engagement on my website every single day. I mean, I probably get 10 to 15 engagements a day from people that have problems. When I solve those problems, I solve it into the future and I basically give them what they need to move forward. I'm like, okay, you're in this situation. There's these three paths. Whichever one of these paths, this is the one you should choose. Here's what you can expect when you're on this path. So it's the thing that anybody listening to the podcast should then say, you know what, my job, I need to figure out how to get rid of the things that crunch in on my day so that I'm spending my day solving problems. Like, is it that important? Because that's kind of what you did, Scott, right? Like, you, you're like, you know what, highest and best use of my time is not grinding away processing alone. The highest and best use of my time is creating these places where conversation can happen. Like you said, you got all this inbound marketing from people who are trying to learn things and have questions. And so it really sounds like you pushed a lot out of the way. And Ricardo, I feel like you've been on this journey too, where you were for a while getting bogged down with having to do process, what, what for you is processing work, right? And you've managed to start pushing some of that stuff off. 
is becoming a problem solver that important? Like, how important is this? Listen, I, I think with any degree of, of experience, you are, you are prepared to solve problems when they come up. When you say the word problem, you're implying that it was a surprise. It's not a problem if you're expecting it, right? And, and you know at any point in the process, you might not be able to anticipate the exact outcome, but you can anticipate that there could be several outcomes, in any given situation, whether an, an inspection passes or fails, a negotiation passes or fails, contingencies removed or it's not, or whatever that is. While I don't process loans, what I did do is I got out in front of problems that I know people have over and over and over again, but they have the ability to watch a video of me explaining the exact problem that they're going through right now. Or I write an article about the exact problem that they're going through right now, because I know for a 100% fact that if you're trying to qualify for a mortgage, and if you have student loans, and you get suckered into a call center because they said you could push a button and do a mortgage, that that loan officer is not going to have any clue what they're doing. You're going to have to go back to Google to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. So I solved that problem. They found it on their own. They learned it. That built the trust. And that's me marketing myself as an expert in that particular problem. For like what you guys do or what a realtor does, this also goes to you don't, don't do everything yourself. There are those, there are those the, things that you can anticipate that are always going to happen that you be okay willing to delegate. You can be okay and you can be willing to delegate. You don't have to show up for the inspection. You don't have to show up for the appraisal. Your buyer's agent can or your assistant can or somebody else can. But would you tell the consumer, hey, listen, my assistant is going to show up. They're going to be there. We're not really allowed to. We can't really engage with the appraiser or try to influence them. But we want to be there when it happens. Kind of Like when when was it that interest rates were, were dipping up a little bit, Scott? We're talking about the seller buy down strategy, like November 2019. Yeah, that, was, that was November 2018. 2018. Yeah, so from November from... Yeah, from like e even, November rates went up a full percent. E even then, there was six or so, eight, like a handful of agents that I met with. They had a couple of lowball offers or they had a, an offer, a listing that wasn't moving. So we pitched this idea of doing a seller buy down strategy. Mm -hmm. That saved maybe three or four transactions that our agents were working on and an opportunity otherwise that they were convinced they had lost. Yeah, because they had a counter offer strategy in their right. back pocket. I was talking to a guy down in San Diego, one of our clients trying to buy a house right now. There are 25 offers on every single house right now. It's almost impossible to get your offer accepted. Like if you're a real estate agent and you're not preparing, if, you, if you're not preparing your, your buyer for what this experience is going to be like, they're going to fire you and they're going to go to somebody else because you can't get your offer accepted. If they're not, if they don't know, listen, you're, we're probably going to make 20 offers before we even get close, unless you do A, B, and C. Now you've got their trust for those first 20 offers. But if you don't, if you, if you just like, go, 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 we're going to make an offer. I hope we get it. You know, and then you don't, and then you don't, and then you don't, you look like you don't know what the hell you're doing. When anybody with two days experience knows this is going to be a hellscape. And we need to be prepared for this. Put on your camo and we're going to battle. And, and I think that's what we're talking about here.
that knowing your business, being an expert in your business, being able to anticipate what what hurdles could be in front of you, and then laying out the laying out the roadmap for how you get through that. Are you still not convinced, Stephen? It sounds too good to be true. <laughs> but it's not. You're doing it in your business. I mean, I've always told my team that every escrow should feel like crawling over glass. <laughs> well, I hear what you're saying, but well, and then and then when it's and then when it's glass that's washed up on the shore after being in the ocean, and then, then they're like, "Oh, that was a cakewalk, right?" There was no surprises. I would love to give people who are listening. So Ricardo's mom, I would love to. <laughs> that's saying she just can't smile. <laughs> I would love to give them like two or three tips on things that they could do right now to take this approach because it's still, it feels very ethereal to me. So like maybe one thing to do is, I don't know, create uh, a lead magnet style guide, but it's just, congratulations. I'm excited to work with you as a buyer. You know, these are the first steps in your home buying journey. Here's what you should do, right? Get pre-qualified or Scott, what's it called when you get like everything up to like, basically you, it's as good as cash. There's, there's a term in your industry. It's not pre-qualified. It's like the next step. When you're pre-approved oh, and you have a commitment letter? Yeah, well, the industry jargon is a TBD underwrite to be determined, mm-hmm. the properties to be determined. You essentially get a full credit and, and a financial underwrite. The only thing pending is the property address. So, I mean, if a, if a buyer had that and they were up against a bunch of people who only were pre-qualified, they would look stronger, right? 100%. That's the, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if an agent were to send out like in this guide, one of the things they said is get a TBD letter. Like, oh, what's that? I, I, I don't know. Maybe people talk about it. I just, I never hear people talk about it. No, I mean, and what you should be doing is you should be, if you're a professional that has been doing this for longer than a day, you should be able to lay out, you should be able to tell the entire story of what this journey is going to look like. Roadmap you, it. You can roadmap the entire journey. That's part of your listing presentation. That's part of your buyer's presentation. That's our presentations. Here's what you can expect. These are the things that are going to happen. These are the timelines. These are the things that we're not sure what can come back. But if it comes back any of these three ways, here's how we'll deal with it. Right? Appraisal, up and down, that kind of thing. If you think about it, if anybody thinks about it, you can you can tell the entire you can walk the person through the entire story all the way from beginning to close and tell them exactly what's going to happen. A few weeks ago, Jody Clegg, that's one of the things that she has all of their new buyers agents do. They work on just working on their presentation, all the value that they deliver and de- deconstructing the buying process in today's market. She just yeah. Coaches them through, like, here's how you communicate and even over communicate your value. Here's what it's going to be like working with us. Here's what the buying process is going to look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and while I think you do have to, you, it has to be something about you and about your brand. And here's what we're going to do for you. I think it's more along the lines of this is the experience that you're going to have, whether you're working with us or not. I'm going to tell you what's around every single corner. And this is why when you run into this, this is where we have this specialized expertise. The biggest fear most people have is the unknown. If you don't tell people what to think, they're going to make it up on their own. Not, not, not in a manipulative way, but if you don't tell people what to expect, 
I'm a great example of this for the, for going to a dentist. I don't want to, it's like, I'm afraid to go to the dentist because what if they want to pull my teeth out? <laughs> what if they want to, you know, it's like, it's that kind of stuff. But then you go and they're just like, you're just like, oh, that was nothing. You know, that, that really wasn't a big deal. I don't know why I put it you on. Over your face and you wake up and all your teeth, <laughs> your teeth are gone, but I didn't feel a thing. No, but it's, but it's uh, that thing. I, I don't know what I don't know. And my biggest fear is that something's going to come up and it's going to take away my, it's going to take away my dream. My dream's going to be taken away by something I didn't see. And so if you're, if I hire you and you say, listen, I know this seems like it's scary to you, but I literally do this every single day. Let me tell you exactly what's going to happen on the process. And I'm not telling you it's going to be a smooth process every step of the way because these three places, things can happen. But there's only one or two that need to be done to get you right back on track. And then all of a sudden, your client is like, they feel like, okay, I know that they've got this. I don't have to be scared. And, and even when you have that explanation, you say, listen, I just told you exactly what's going to happen, but that doesn't mean you're not going to still freak out. So when you do, call me and I'll remind you that we already talked about this <laughs> and you'll be fine. You know, And people laugh when you say something like that. And, and you're just like, listen... I had a really good example of this. I feel like I'm hogging up the, the time, but I had a really good example of this. This lady contacted me last Friday. We specialize, a lot of, one of the things I write about is how to buy after bankruptcy, foreclosure, short sale, uh, significant financial hardship, because the guidelines are really, really weird. They're not weird, they're different. There's a lot of different paths you can go down. So this lady had an FHA loan that foreclosed four and a half years ago, FHA's rules are that it has to be three years before you can qualify for another FHA FHA loan. But there's another kind of there's a trick, and it's called it's Cavers. So Cavers is the Cavers is an alert that if you default on government debt, this alert goes to on your Social Security number, and you can't qualify for new government debt until you get that cleared off. Right? All right. I feel like I'm rabbit holing. Let me try to make this simple. So essentially. What happened during the crash is that alert doesn't go on until the lender that you defaulted on submits their insurance claim. So what happened four and a half years ago, she foreclosed. Last year, Wells Fargo reported it to FHA. So literally her 36 months that this alert was on her, tied to her social security number, started in January of 2019 even though it's been almost five years since she foreclosed. So this is really, really common. She's getting ready to close next week. And she sends me an email and she's freaking out. She's my loan officer just told me I have this alert on. Number one, your loan officer is a dumbass. So <laughs> and actually, I looked up her loan officer. He's been in the business like two years, had never run. He might not be a dumbass. I'll take that back. He hadn't had this experience before, didn't know what to look for, didn't know that the foreclosure was on an FHA and this could even happen. I've been through this a million times. I told her, listen, she contacted HUD and she said, I need to get this removed. I need to get this removed. And they said, we can't remove it. It has to be on there for 36 months. So she contacted me and she was like, I'm losing my mind. I'm going to lose my dream home. They already told me I'm going to lose my deposit. I don't know what to do. And I said, it's okay. HUD will suppress it. All you have to do is send them the foreclosure deed. And this was a rule that they changed like two years ago. 
show them the deed, show them that it's been longer than 36 months. They'll suppress it. They'll allow you to close on your FHA loan. Everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. This lady, this was a Friday. Between Friday and Monday morning, this lady got her attorney involved. Her attorney called the underwriter. Her attorney spent two hours on the phone with her congressman. And I gave her the wording and I told her, this is what you do. And this is what you say. So then she sent it in and Hud said, okay, yeah, we'll suppress it. <laughs> and, and then she came back and she was like, I don't know if it was my congressman or my attorney or I don't know. And I was like, it was always this email. It was never anything else. It was never anything. What I told you on Friday was the solution on Monday morning, exactly what I thought. But she did not sleep the entire weekend. She paid for an attorney. She harassed a poor congressman that had no <laughs> power at all for uh. two hours. All she had to do was submit this because I know that that is the path. And I laid that path out for her and I told her, but because her loan officer, who she trusted all the way up to that point, didn't see it, she couldn't believe that it wasn't more complicated than the solution that I gave her because her lender didn't know it was going to happen. I don't know if that, I don't know if I came full circle on that, but, <laughs> but that's, if, if that happens, if that loan officer had the experience to say, listen, this could come up. And, but this is the solution. Don't worry. She would not have lost an ounce of sleep. Oh, I knew it was going to come up. Here we go. I'll solve it. Had it cleared. No problem. So maybe on the list of like two to three things to do is even in a simple Google Doc that you can, you know, print and give to people or don't print because it's the first century. You, you could just be like, here are common things that I run into all the time. Yes. Right? And so if this comes up, here are the quick strategies. Just let me know. We can discuss further. But then you communicate to them up front, Scott. What I hear you saying is, and Ricardo, I really loved what you had relayed to from J Jody Clegg. You cannot over communicate your value. You cannot over communicate just, hey, look, this is what I'm bringing to the table. Here's, here's some knowledge stuff. Take a look at it. I see where you're going with this, Scott, because if I had been that lady, and if this had happened to me and I had tried all the things the lady tried, I'd be freaking out too. I, I totally would be. I'd be like, I, this government bureaucracy, I don't understand any of this. Oh, because she asked, she asked HUD to remove it. HUD properly replied, we cannot remove it for 36 months. Yeah, but... but She was asking the wrong question were, because she, she wasn't... She wasn't sophisticated. Prepared. She doesn't know. She but, wasn't prepared. Because you, know, you use the word suppress. She used the word remove. In my mind, it's like, Make it go away, right? Yeah. That's like that's that's what she's trying to communicate. And of course, the bureaucrat. I'm not going to get into this, but the <laughs> but the person she talked to didn't even like helpfully advise her. They're just like, does not compute, right? It's like you're not a computer, and that was the end of it. And and if she had just had this paper, she could have referenced it, and she could have been like, oh, well, looks like I need to talk to my guy. But this actually isn't that big of a deal after all. Hey, what do I got to do to make this go away? Oh, just send an email, right? <laughs> like that's magic, but you have to you have to make people know that you like you have to help people to know that you have that magic. I guess that's so. When we talk about becoming a problem solver, doing it proactively, this is what you have in mind. You know, another part of this is, and this is sales one hundred and one, is is when things come up, you tell stories about 
you know, and this is what can happen. And as a matter of fact, this happened to another client of mine just recently. And here's how we got around it. Right. So you're, you're showing evidence of we can anticipate these things and these things do come up. And the last person that this came up for, this is how we solve that solution. That's, it's so unbelievably important to pre-frame that experience. And then when you get to that finish line, how did we do? How did you like our service? I loved your service. Great. Could you leave me a review? Right. Now you have good service. And being totally new to the industry isn't an excuse for not doing something like this because, I mean, join a team. Yes. Join a team with experience. Sit down with whoever the experienced, you know, your mentor, whoever the experienced agent is that you're working for, because God knows you're probably giving them 50% of your commission and ask them for this information. You know, you sit down, you type it out so that you can provide it. And look, if it works for you, it'll probably work for other people on that team and you will approve it even, you know, more value. You would have added more value to the team. It would, you know, it's a win all the way around. Ricardo, is Jody hiring? <laughs> she sounds like she's got a good system there. <laughs> That's awesome. Ricardo, is there anything else you feel like we're kind of missing or haven't touched on based on the email or the, the, the book you skipped through? You know, like I was telling you guys, it's, I, I don't think salespeople as salespeople we're always kind of like looking for the next sale. It's you have to be able to demonstrate how you are able to look around this corner. You have to be able to demonstrate how you are anticipating and problem solving things. And I think to be able to use that in your objections and and having people helping people overcome those objections, like I think all of that is very very important. Otherwise, you're just like selling from one transaction to the next to the next to the next. Mm-hmm. If that if that makes any sense, like I'll give you an example, WFT Title. So they have a consumer direct discount. Is that a shameless plug, by the way? <laughs> they 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 sell this consumer direct discount, and we have title reps who like to sell the discount. But then you have other title reps who just, to me, I look at them and the way they operate their business. They're they're problem solvers, and that's how they capture business. And they never offer have to sell a discount. So I don't know. To me, that's kind of the difference. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I guess that's the point that I was getting at. Yeah, I, I guess the, the probably the last thing I would throw in here is, Dustin, at the beginning of this conversation, you had mentioned our life is chaotic and you've got inspections and you've got to do all of those things. I think you'll find that when you put the work in up front, you don't have those emergencies. And the best way to grow your business is to stop attrition. Right. So getting the getting everything you can out of everything you've got. Ricardo, this is the this was our mission two years ago mm. that we started going on is you don't need new lead sources, you need better nurturing conversions mm. processes on what you already have. You you don't need more new customers as much as you need more referrals from your past customers. Right. Um, your profit margins increase exponentially when you stop loss. So you can literally grow your business and expand your business by just mitigating loss of loss of the existing business that you have and taking advantage of what you've already earned. And, and I think that's an important that's an important distinction in when when you are prepared and you're saying this is going to be your experience and then you deliver that experience. I think that calms you down because there's nothing more disruptive in my life than something that comes out of left field that I wasn't anticipating. 
I lose an hour worrying about it. I lose two hours trying to figure it out. And then I lose another two hours being pissed that I didn't know that that was going to come up. Uh, I think, it, and you're never going to get it a hundred percent, but like we said, if you can get it 90% and say, listen, this other 10%, don't worry about it. I deal with it every single day. This might be your first home, but I just mm-hmm. helped 30 other people, you know, buy homes this year. That's the story that you need to tell. Yeah, the confidence boost that comes to your clients as a result of you thinking down the road for them and road mapping it and helping them to see around potential corners mm-hmm. is huge for them. And the time savings you'll get as a result of not having to freak out yourself or not causing your clients to freak out and you have to de-escalate them before you can problem solve. Those are two huge value value adds. Great. Well, I think it's a good place to wrap up. If you are interested in listening to other episodes of The Marketing Trench, visit our website, marketingtrench.fm. Scott, you had just talked about getting the most out of everything you have. And we have some past episodes where we're really digging into what that subject looks like. So if you've spent some time road mapping and now you're ready to get in front of some clients and you're trying to get some traction to do that. The 80-20 Pareto Principle episode is a really fantastic one to listen to. We've talked a lot about sphere of influence. And of course, the first episode we dove into the you know, the four control framework, all of that stuff is just uh, really valuable to help you get going. Marketingtrench.fm is where you can find that. We're a part of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, realdisrupt.com, I believe is the website there. You can listen to all of the other sister podcasts in this group that we are proud to be members of. And until next time, this has been The Marketing Trench. Yeah.